Well, good evening, Rocky Peak. Uh, great to see you here. Isn't it good to be in a new year? You kind of, uh, this, uh, you love the holidays, but then there's just something uh, exciting about leaving them behind, getting back on schedule, right? Starting to eat right again, uh, starting to work out. You know, you're four days in, you're feeling awesome. Um, and so uh, anyway, it's great to be with you. My name is Michael, and I'm one of the pastors, and uh, I'm excited about uh, this time. We get to do some teaching tonight and uh, gather around the Word together. And so inside your program uh, is a, a message note sheet, and so I want to encourage you to, to reach inside. Just as we're doing that, just a couple things I want to mention. Just uh, thank you, uh, praise report. Uh, you know, this, this, uh, we're about to launch Rooted, the most life groups ever. You know, we're about, I guess, 147. I think we have a life groups. So we're excited about that. Uh, but, you know, I sent you a couple of emails throughout, uh, throughout December just uh, with our update, kind of financial update as a church. It's important to, to finish strong so that we are able uh, on a firm foundation for this, this uh, next year. And so we blew through that goal. You guys did an awesome job and uh, kind of gave way more than even our target. We'll have more information later in the month, exact things. And then what's really cool uh, is uh, this initiative for the poor for this Uganda uh, uh, mother, home for, uh, for, for women. We are over $200,000. Uh, and so um, they have already, they've broken ground. They're sending pictures back. Uh, it is just exciting. And so I'm, I'm asking for some high quality, high def pictures next weekend just to show you a few of those. Uh, so that we can kind of uh, share that together. But uh, anyway, just exciting times. And uh, if you're brand new here at Rocky Peak, I know especially at the start of the year, we often have people that are, are new. And we just want to welcome you and just pray that God meets you here in a really powerful way. And so um, we're going to pray together, and then we're going to jump in. But inside your program, if you haven't figured it out, there's a blue, uh, green and white uh, message note sheet. Uh, blue, yeah. It's a, it's a new year. Yeah, it's blue and white. Yeah, we're changing it up here. It's big time. <laughs> like, whoa, uh, crazy. Uh, transformation, green to blue. It's a, awesome. So, yeah, it's green still, uh, so something's never changed. So let's pray together. And Father, we're just excited to be here, to be pursuing you as a church, and we're excited to be at the start of a brand new year, a fresh start, new beginning, and we're hungry. We're hungry for you. We're hungry for growth. We're hungry for change. We're hungry for impact. We're hungry for transformation. So we pray that you'd meet us in a powerful way as we open your word and that you would speak and the, the voice of your spirit would be uh, powerful and profound to each of us, speaking according to our need. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, our story starts today <laughs> with a, uh, a young woman. She's uh, about 30, at least that's young to me. And uh, it might be old to you, but it's young to me. Uh, she's 30 years old, and uh, she's had a hard life. Uh, Right at the time she was 16, she began overeating. Uh, it's when she started smoking. It's when she started drinking. By the time she's in her mid-20s, um, she has overspent so much, she has credit agencies coming after her. Um, but in spite of this, uh, you know, she's tried to hold down a job, but she's never held a job for longer than a year. And, uh, but in spite of all of that, she does get married in the process. But uh, today her husband has just come home and told her that he's met someone else and he's leaving her. And uh, this sends her into a, a tailspin. And so in the next four months, her life is going to begin to unravel. She can't sleep. She begins overeating even more. She begins binge drinking. Her anger is seething. 
In fact, she begins stalking her husband and the new girlfriend, calling the new girlfriend in the middle of the night and hanging up. One night she's so drunk that she goes to a friend's house who has a condo, is banging on the door and says, if you don't let me in, I'm going to burn your place down. And at this point in her life, she realizes it's completely out of control. And she doesn't know what to do, but she feels like she just has to get out of town. And so she takes her credit cards, maxes them out, purchases a plane trip, a plane uh, ride to Cairo because she's always wanted to see the pyramids. She quits her job and she heads off. When she arrives there, things go from bad to worst. She wakes up the first morning. She's completely disoriented from the exhaustion, the jet lag, the drinking. It's pitch black, but all she can hear is a call to prayer from the local mosque. And she wakes up in the dark. She reaches for her nightstand to light a cigarette. But she's so disoriented that it's not until she begins to smell the burning plastic that she realizes she has lit a pin on fire. And in her panic, she's going to jump out of bed. She knocks over the water pitcher by her nightstand. It shatters on the floor. And that's the lowest point. And she falls to the floor and sobbing as wave after wave of deep pain and shame and sorrow just wash over her one after another. And she feels like she can't go on. Little does she know that within a few hours, her life is going to change. But this time, it's for the better. Well, today, we are continuing this series that we started last year. It's for the kind of start the new year, kick off the new year. It's just a two-week series. Dre started last week called Training for a Transformation. If you were here last week, you know this, that the, the core concept is that, uh, as we often say here at Rocky Peak, that God has a vision for our lives. It's an epic vision. But what we learned last week is that this vision is not automatic. And what we're going to learn today is that if we want to experience God's life-changing vision for our life, if we want to become the people we are created to be, if we want to be changed and, and, uh, and become uh, a new person at a deep level so we can live life to the fullest, that we have to enter into a process of what I'm going to call today spiritual training. And so uh, there in your note sheet, you have a section called spiritual training, the challenge. And what I want to do today is start with a passage of Scripture that Dre actually alluded to just very quickly last week, but sort of the kind of the, the, the kind of the mother of the series, the, so the kind of the brainchild of the star of the series. It's in 1 Timothy chapter 4. And of course, in these two letters, first and second Timothy, the Apostle Paul is, is writing to coach a young leader in his life that he loves uh, on how to be transformed and how to, to maximize his life calling. And, uh, and so in the process, he's going to talk to him about the role that spiritual training plays in the transformation process. And so uh, if you have your Bibles, you have your apps, let's go ahead and open up to 1 uh, Timothy uh, chapter 4, and we're going to pick it up at verse uh, 7. And so uh, we're going to jump in the middle of the verse where he says, rather uh, train yourself, Timothy, I want you to train yourself to be what? 
godly. So I want to stop and talk about those two words just real quickly. So this word train uh, is an important word. It's an athletic word. Uh, in the Greek, the word is gumnadso. It's where we get our word gymnasium from. So in the ancient world, like Dre said last week, games were big. Olympic games, the Isthmian games, or many different kinds of games. And uh, in order to participate in the games, like he said, that you had to uh, train for them, and you had to have some like, certified training. You couldn't just show up to compete. And so Paul says, uh, Timothy, if you're going to become the man that you need to be, the leader you're going to be, you're going to need to train for this like an athlete, all right? Now, the second word is he says you're going to train yourself to be godly. And frankly, this is a much harder word to translate. There's really no equal equivalent in, in English. Um, the, the word in Greek was a, a word that referred to kind of living life in a noble way, in a way life was meant to be lived, in a way that would honor the gods and honor your family and your parents, kind of the noble life, right? So Paul picks up this term, and he kind of translates it into being a follower of Jesus, and he says we need to train ourselves for this life of, uh, they translate it godliness, but it's a life that's the noble life, the life we're called to live, uh, what we often call here at Rocky Peak, the life, the transformed life, where we become like our creator, become the people we were created to be. And so he says, so, so Timothy, that you need to train yourself for, uh, for godliness. And let's, if you skip down to verse 10, he says that this is so important, we need to work at this with intensity. He says, um, that is why, verse 10, we labor and strive. Two words in the Greek that are strong words. It's a blood, sweat, and tears. Think of an athlete working out, training for the Olympics. It's not a walk in the park. They are working hard at this. He says, he says this spiritual training needs to be a priority, and you need to not only train, you need to train with intensity. Now let's back it up and see what he says in verse 8. He says, for physical training is of some value. So my guess is here in a room like this, probably many of us have recently made New Year's resolutions or plans that we want to do some things physically different this year. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but my hunch is in a room like this, uh, there's many of us, yeah, I'm going to eat better, I want to get more sleep, I want to start working out, I want to lose 20 pounds, I want to get in shape, right? And so Paul says, hey, physical training is of some value. There's real value in that. He says, but, notice what he says next. He says, but spiritual, uh, but godliness, and by the way, that word where he says uh, physical training, that's that word, same word, gymnasia, it's athletic word. He says, um, but godliness, this, uh, in the Greek, eusebia, this noble life, this transformed life, um, it has value for all things. Uh, it's going to impact all of your life. It's much more important than being in shape physically is to be in shape spiritually. So being in shape spiritually has, uh, physically has value, but it's much more important to be in shape spiritually because that has much greater impact and much greater consequences. And he says it's, it holds promise for both the present life, like all your life, when you are transformed, all your life, all your relationships are going to be impacted, but he says it's not just this life, it's for the next life as well. And so if you skip down to the end of the passage of verse 15, he says, so be diligent in these matters, you know, like an athlete, like, you know, you're training, right, with diligence. 
uh, give yourself wholly to them so that everyone can see your progress. So like if you start working out today and you say, I'm, I'm starting to eat right and I'm going to work out. And if you keep that up for the next three months, we're going to see the difference, right? We're going to see the difference in your body. We're going to say, wow, you look like you've lost some weight. Or you say, well, you really look toned up or just your stride looks different. You're looking great, right? So when you're training physically, he says, you're going to notice. But he says the same thing is true spiritually. That when you're training spiritually, those around you will notice. And he says, so, he says uh, so that everyone may see your progress. And then verse 16, watch your life. So how you live, the choices you make, your priorities, whatever. Watch your life and your doctrine, what you believe about God, us, life. He says, persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Remember, he's a leader in the church at Ephesus. He's the top leader of the church at Ephesus. And he says, so this is going to have tremendous impact. This spiritual training has going to have tremendous impact, not only on your life, but on everyone in your life, especially those you lead. So in our case, uh, this, uh, this spiritual life, has tr the training has tremendous impact, not just on our life, but on everyone who looks to us for leadership. Right, so maybe it's your children, maybe it's your uh, spouse, maybe uh, it's the people on your job, in your ministry, you lead a life group, you, you lead kids, and kids, whatever you're leading, uh, it's going to have kind of, uh, 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 kind of a, a multiplied effect. Right? And so that's the passage. Now, here's what I want to do in the time that we have today. I really have two different agendas. Uh, what I want to do first of all today is I want to start by laying out three important principles, won't take real long, on spiritual training and the relation, its relationship to transformation. Very important key principles for us to understand as followers of Jesus, as a church, if we're going to move into our future, right? Uh, if, you're, if you're going to grow, become the person that Jesus has called you to be, very important we understand these three principles. They won't take a long time. And then I want to come back and I want to put on sort of my um, kind of life coach hat and I want to see if I can come alongside of you and help you design a spiritual training program for 2018, all right? So, um, so there in your note sheet, you have a section called Spiritual Training, The Path to Transformation. Now let's jump in. Number one, the first principle is that what Paul is saying is that transformation requires training. He says, train yourself for godliness. It's not going to happen automatically. You need to train yourself. Now, honestly... I think that this may surprise some of us. Because if I were to come to you and say, uh, uh, well, let's, let's turn around. You're going to come to me and you said, you know, I want to lose uh, 20 pounds and I, I want to get in shape and I, I want to uh, tone up. Um, we would both understand that's not going to happen by sitting on the sofa watching the Super Bowl, right? We would understand that those kinds of changes don't just happen. You have to train. If you want to physically change, you're going to have to train. And we get that. But here's the thing. I think for many of us, this is really a new concept that if we're going to be transformed spiritually to become the person we are created to be, it doesn't happen automatically. That we actually have to train for it like an athlete in training. And so I think that if we were to uh, kind of take a, 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 a survey of this, I think that if I were to ask many Christ followers, 
So how do you think transformation happens? How do you go from being this person to that person, right? How do you go from being a person who doesn't really love your wife or doesn't really, you're not much of a father to a person that your wife absolutely loves and adores because you have loved her so well and your kids adore you because of the impact? How does a person go from A to B? How does a person go from, from someone who is sort of passive and not very excited about their faith, how do they go to being a passionate Christ follower where their life is about Jesus and he is the most important thing and the driving force of their life is to know him? Like, how does that happen? How do we transform? How do we go from being an angry person to a calm, gentle person? How do we go from being a harsh person to a compassionate person? How does transformation happen? And I think for many of us, we've never really given it a lot of thought. And we just kind of assume it's just automatic. You give your life to Jesus, you start going to church, maybe for bonus points, you join a life group. And just, it will happen, right? And here's what I, what I want you to catch. What Paul is telling Timothy is this is not automatic. And I want you to think about this. Because let's think who he's talking to. So Timothy had come to Christ as a young man. Maybe a teenager, early 20s. Come, and the apostle Paul led him to Jesus. Now that's pretty good to have on your resume, right? Like, like, well, how did you come to know the Lord? Well, have you ever heard of the Apostle Paul? Yeah, he led me to Jesus, you know? Like, wow, you know, I just was Sunday school for me. Um, yeah, anyway, so, so that's pretty good. And then, of course, as a follower of Jesus, he receives the Holy Spirit, the gift, because we all do. And as a follower of Jesus, he receives spiritual gifts, because we all do. But on top of that, we know that later on in Timothy's life, when God called him to step into a leadership role in the church of Jesus, we know the apostle Paul and the elders laid hands on him, and there were prophetic words over his life, and the Holy Spirit gifted him in new ways to lead the body of Christ. So I would say that's starting from a strong position. And yet, when the Apostle Paul writes to this young man, he says, your transformation is not automatic. You have to train for it. In fact, you have to train with intensity like an athlete. Wow. Number two. I love this one because the first one could be a little intimidating, at least for me. Number two. The Holy Spirit is our trainer. And I love this. You know, you go to the gym, and I, I've never done, I've never had a personal trainer. Uh, always wish I did or could or whatever, but I never did. And, uh, but you know, that's just a cool thing, right? Because you, you, now you have someone who knows what's going on. You know that here's where you are. You're 20 pounds overweight. You got these issues. You don't eat right. You don't know how to use anything at the gym. Um, you don't even know how to put on your clothes the right way. You don't even know what clothes to wear. And so you've got a trainer, right? And so now they are your salvation because you're going to look like you know what you're doing. But more importantly, they know where you are and where you're trying to get, and they can help you get there, right? And so 
in this transformation process, the New Testament is so clear over and over again, the Holy Spirit is our trainer. That in this process of transformation, we're not on our own. I, I, can't, I can't even imagine being on my own and trying to go through transformation. I would not know where to start. There are so many things screwed up with me. Where do you start, right? Like, how do you even, there's so many different opinions, right? How do you even start? And so the New Testament is really clear. The Holy Spirit is our trainer. Now, in this particular passage, Paul doesn't mention the Holy Spirit, but he often does. In fact, early in his second letter to Timothy, this is what he says. Look at the your note sheet. He's writing to him, the second letter. He says, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, right? So he received this gift of God by the laying on of hands and so on. He says, fan into flame, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. He says, for the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, he, that God gives us, he does not make us timid. I love in the Greek, it's the word cowards. It's not cowards. But he gives us power and he gives us love. And he gives us self-discipline or great judgment. And so he says, Timothy, he says, I want you. It's very similar to 1 Timothy. He's challenging him. The language is different, but the concept is the same. In 1 Timothy, he says, train yourself for godliness. Here he says, fan into flame. You almost get the sense that because of persecution and hard times, Timothy is slowing down. He's, uh, He's not operating on all cylinders. And Paul says, hey, The Holy Spirit is in you. The Holy Spirit is leading you. He's he's given you the power you need. He has the the love that you need to lead this church. He's given you the discipline you need. Now, you need to fan into flame what God is doing. You need to work out what God is working in. He says, Timmy, the Holy Spirit's in you. This fear thing, that's not the Holy Spirit. (laughs) What's stirring in you, what's the Holy Spirit, is that stirring towards love and power. That's what's the Holy Spirit. And you need to fan that into flame. And so the beautiful thing is on this journey, honestly, I wouldn't know what to do in following Jesus without the Holy Spirit. I'd be lost. And so the Holy Spirit is the one, he has a vision for our life, he's our personal trainer, he's going to walk with us every step of the way, and so as always, our job is to be going before the Lord and saying, what is the next step in my training process? Now I tell you, the last uh, year and a half has been such a sweet time with me with the Lord. I don't think there's ever been a sweeter time. And one of the things that's made it so sweet is I just feel the training of the Holy Spirit in such an intentional way. You might as well be at the gym where the guy says to you, okay, so that's great. You've been working with 150 pounds. We're going to 180. All right. Okay, you know. And the Holy Spirit's like, well, here's where you are. Here's your next step. We're going to do that for three, and then here's your next step. You see, the Holy Spirit has a plan for your life. He wants to transform your life, and he will lead you in that. We're not in a row. And the number three, the third principle, is that training requires a plan. Now, this is obvious. You know, can you imagine interviewing an Olympic athlete who's just won a gold medal 
And they say to him, so, wow, we're just fascinated. You've just run faster than any human being in the history of the world that's been recorded. And what is your training plan? What's the secret? He's like, oh, I don't have a training plan. I just kind of run when I feel like it. <laughs> like, you know that's not true, you know? It's like, no, no, no. People don't, that doesn't happen. You don't get into shape without training. And you don't train without a plan. And so this is true in the spiritual realm, too. Like if I were to come to you, let's say we run into each other at Starbucks and we're just talking like, hey, any, what's your plans for the year? What are you excited about? And you said, oh, I'm just so excited, man. I just, I, I've been out of shape and I'm, I'm, I'm intense. I, I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose 25 pounds and I, I want to get in shape and I'm excited. I was like, that's awesome. How are you going to do it? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm still just kind of praying about that and um, I'm just hoping it works out, but I, I think this is the year. I, I'd probably say, whoa, that's a good plan, you know? Uh, yeah, see you later, bye. And I would know, I would know that I shout out in three months, it's gonna win 10 pounds more, right? Because you don't get into shape without a plan. And the same is true spiritually. So let me give you an example. This last fall, we've talked, well, the whole last year, but especially last fall, we talked a lot about transformation, how God's vision for our life is transformation. And we gave one example. We talked about the power of the word in our life, how, how one of the most important tools the Lord uses in our life to transform it is the word. <coughs> and so we talked about how do you work the word into your life? And we talked about, we said that, well, working the word into our life is sort of like a three-legged stool. Is this sounding familiar? We talked about that, Hey, it's important to be like at a, at a church where the word's being taught and unpacked in a, a way that is clear and relevant, engaging, because that's a big part, because God's gifted certain leaders in his church to teach his church. It's how it works. And so that, that's important. We said that's, and we said it's important to be in some sort of small group experience where you're, you're processing the word with one another. What are you learning from one another? When he said that, but there's a third leg of the stool, and that's time alone with God. That we need to learn to study the word on our own. We need to learn to hear God's voice on our own through the word. And that when you have those three legs of the stool working together, there's a synergism that's powerful. And so this year, as you know, we're going to be doing with Rooted starting next week. One of the reasons that we're doing, one of the primary reasons is because we believe very clearly as a leadership team that God is saying this is the next step for the transformation process at Rocky Peak. Weekend services are going. God is speaking. He's here. Our life groups are going. We're not everything we want them to be, but we're moving in the right direction. We're learning how to pursue God together. But probably the biggest area of weakness, my, my guess, would be in this area of personal time with God. So let's use this as an example, all right? Let's say that in 2018, you want to be transformed, and you say, I want to learn how to develop a, a regular rhythm of relationship in my personal time with God. And so that's my goal. I want to be transformed, and this is my, this is my what, what I want to do. 
So how do I do that? How do I establish that spiritual training habit in my life? And this is where I want to stop now, and I want to, I want to put on my kind of spiritual training life coach hat. And I want to help you develop kind of a spiritual training plan for this time alone with God as we get ready for Rooted next week. Now, you may not be participating in Rooted for whatever reason. You don't want to, you can't, whatever. This series is going to be equally for you. Don't worry about that. And you may want to pursue God one-on-one in your own life as well. So this will apply equally, what I'm about to say. But there in your note sheet, there's a section called Spiritual Training, Designing Your Program. And I want to help you design a program. And the way I'm going to do that is by asking three simple questions. All right? So, so you can kind of design your own thing here. And so let's jump in. So the first question I want to ask you is why? Let's say that you come to me and you say, I really want to develop this rhythm of relationship. I'm convinced it's the next step of my transformation. Um, And so can you help me come up with a plan to do this? Can you help me design a training plan? The first step I would take is I would ask you, why do you want to do this? And you might say, well, why would you start with why? I've already told you I want to do this. And here is the reason why. Because here's what we know from the science of habits. What we know from the science of habits, if you don't have a deep, authentic, and compelling answer to the question why, the cost of change will always be too high. See, the reality is, if you study the habits of the science of habits, one of the things we often don't understand with a spiritual habit or physical habit is that habits are hard to establish at first, aren't they? And often the reason we quit a habit is we can't imagine doing this the rest of my life. It's just too hard. But the reality is when you're establishing a new habit, it's much harder at first than down the road. So when you start a new habit, let's just say going to the gym, doesn't matter what you start a new habit, it's sort of like pushing a ball up a hill. It takes a lot of effort, a lot of force. It's not easy. But what happens is you continue to push, that hill begins to level out, and it becomes easier and easier. And at a certain point, it actually becomes virtually level, or in some cases, even downhill, to where the habit starts pulling you. Some of you who are runners or, or weightlifters, you know this. You know that, if, that after you've established this habit, if you haven't run in a couple days, you haven't lifted in a couple days, your body starts craving it. And so, but at the, at the start of creating a habit, it is hard. And here's the thing. If you don't have a deep, authentic, compelling reason of why you want to change or create a habit, the cost will always defeat you. So Paul understands this, and so he gives us the, the why in 1 Timothy. Let's look at that again, 1 Timothy chapter 4. I just want to show you real quick that he goes right away to the why. He says in verse 7, the middle of verse 7, to train yourself to be godly, 
But then he goes to the why. He says, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. He says, once you understand the value of transformation, you will understand why it's so important and why it's worth the energy required to train for it. If you go down to verse uh, 15 and 16, or let's just do 16, watch your life and doctrine closely, persevere in them, because if you do, you'll save both yourself and your hearers. He says, if you understand what's at stake, then this will motivate you to continue training yourself for godliness. So the question is, as we're about to embark on a journey, either in-rooted or outside of rooted, and we're challenging you as, as your leaders, as your pastors, that this is the year we really want to focus in on building a lifetime habit of regular rhythm of relationship with God, this third leg on our transformation stool. And let's say that you say, yes, I want to do that. I don't want to take that at face value. I want to ask you why. And I want to encourage you that you're going to have to go deep and dig deep and spend some time this week thinking about your why. Because if you don't have an adequate why, you will not succeed. Now, let me give you an example. I was thinking about this this week and just kind of off the top. So, okay, so this is a part of my life. Um, and so <coughs> why? why? Why will I rearrange my schedule? Why will I get up early? Why will I make other sacrifices protect this time, my time with God? Why do I do that? <coughs> and so right off the top, I just jotted some things down. I've got five reasons for my personal why. Now, I gotta tell you, these are not like religious reasons. These are not like pastor reasons. Uh, these are not like, uh, these are not like, these should be reasons. Uh, I'm just saying, I just try to be honest. Like, this is me, this is my wise, right? And so you may find yourself in here somewhere, but this will help you think through your wise. So five things. First, my first why was I really wanna know God. Um, I became convinced a long time ago that the secret to life was knowing God. Now, you may agree or disagree, but I, I believe that there's a God-shaped vacuum in every one of us and that I don't care how successful you are, what else goes well in life, that if you don't have a firsthand, personal, real relationship, uh, experiential relationship with God, your life is gonna be empty at the core. I'm just absolutely convinced of that. And so because of that, that drives me. I wanna pursue that relationship. Number two, life wisdom. I do not want to waste my life. I want to live life to the full. I want to live it well at every level, whether it's financial, relational, uh, health-wise. I want to live life well. I don't want to live a life, end up with regrets. I want to, give, I want to live life to the full, kind of the Proverbs life, right? The path of life, right? I believe that by spending time with God on a regular basis, I will grow in wisdom and I will understand the path to life. I believe that, so it motivates me. Number three, uh, transformation. I believe that God has called us to be transformed, to be like Jesus, but I want to grow, I want to be intentional, I want to change. I do not want to be the same man a year from now as I am 
today. I want my character to grow. I want it to change. And I don't think it's going to happen effectively if I don't spend time one-on-one with him, listening to his word, listening to his spirit, reflecting on my life, learning, paying attention to what's going well, what needs to change. Number four, priorities. I, the way I put this is I want to live my life by design and not by default. And I've learned a long time ago that in all of our lives, the urgent has a way of driving out the important. And so I feel like I need a time. I call my time alone with God my island of tranquility in the sea of chaos. Is my time alone with God where I remember what's important. It's my time alone with God. I review my goals for my life that I've got written down. It's a time I recalibrate. Without that, I would get off track. And the fifth reason I wrote down was leadership. I believe that leadership has to flow out of your life. You cannot lead better than you live. You cannot lead people where you haven't been. And if you're going to lead well, business, family, marriage, school, church, ministry, if you're going to lead well, you have to be living the life you're calling others to live. And without time alone, I don't think I can do that. So those are my answers. You were to say, why is it such a priority? Why Will you cut out other things? Why will you say no to other things? These aren't made up answers. These are real answers for me. I believe if I don't do this, I will not know God. I believe if I don't do this, I will make stupid decisions in life that I will regret. If I don't do this, I will not experience transformation and become the person I was created to be. If I don't do this, I will get distracted and neglect the things that I believe of all my heart are most important. And I believe if I do not do this, I will not lead well. And that has huge repercussions on every person I lead, whether it's family or life group or this church or wherever else God calls me. And I believe that with all my heart. So my why is strong. And my why compels me. If your why is not strong, you will never succeed. And so here's what I'm challenging you to do. You came to church like, New Year, it's going to be great. We've got a week before life groups start. So here's your homework for this week. I want you to go home. I want you to get a piece of paper out or get your tablet out or your computer out. And I want to ask you, do you want to create a regular rhythm of relationship? And if your answer is yes, I want you to say why and I want you to write it down. And then I want you to look and say, are those real answers or are those aspirational answers? 
Is that really true or what I wish was true? And I need you to be radically honest because if you're not honest, you will fail. And you'll be perplexed why. And here's the thing. If your answers aren't very good, man, I would applaud you. If you were to say, honestly, here's my answer. You know, I say it's important, but when I look at it, it really isn't. And the reality is, I don't think that my life will be that much different if I do. And it's, I'm so busy, it's going to be so hard to do this, I don't think it's worth it. Awesome. Now we are on our way. And now you can go before God and say, God, this is the truth. I know Pastor Michael says this. I know Pastor Dre says this. I know the Bible says this. But... I don't think it's true. And so I'm coming to you honestly and saying, would you change my heart? And would you open my eyes? And I give you permission to change my understanding. And God can work with that. God can work with that. All right? So the first question is why? The second question is when? In other words, when are you going to do it? So let's go back to that conversation at Starbucks, and you, you've got, this time, you've, you've actually got a plan. And so I'm going to lose 25 pounds, and I start eating right, and I go, well, what's your plan? What you, what's your plan? And you say, well, you know, I just signed up at the gym. I got this thing at the mail from Gold's Gym, and it's a great deal for January. And so I, I've, I've got this. I've, I've, gone to, uh, I've gone to the store. I bought all my gear. I got my clothes, and... And uh, I've got my shoe. I spent about $300. I'm looking awesome. And, uh, and so I, I'm ready to go. And I've got this uh, membership, and it's good for 18 years. It was only $8,000, but it only comes out to 18 cents a day. So it's just awesome. And uh, so I've got my phone. So I'm, so I'm going to go, that is fantastic. So when, when are you going to do that? When are you going to work out? Yeah. Um, I haven't really figured out. My schedule's kind of busy. I think I'm just going to kind of play it by ear and fit it in where it works the best. Can I tell you something? Three months, 10 pounds heavier, right? <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Look, when you're going to add something to your life, you're going to have to make some changes. And so... If you're going to succeed at the gym, you need to figure out when is the best time. When is the time you're consistent? When, when can you do it? When will you not be interrupted? Like, when are you going to do it? And the same way is true spiritually. So here, in terms of spending time with God, if you're going to succeed, you need to, to not only know why, you need to know when. You, you need to think through your schedule and say, what part of the day is the best time of the day for me to meet with God? Uh, when am I my freshest? When am I my least distracted? When are the least amount of interruptions? Now, this will really vary because some of us are morning people, right? And for a lot of us, the morning will be a great time because no one else is going to be doing anything then. Like, no one else is going to get up to bug you then, right? Well, some of you are three-year-olds. But, uh, 
But yeah, so for a lot of us, it's the mornings going to be the greatest time. You're fresh. There's, you're, you're, it's before the day starts, and it's going to be great, right? But for some of you, you're night owls, and you are not morning people. And it doesn't matter when you get up. You don't wake up until 11, right? And so if you got up and spent time with Jesus, it'd be like having a case of spiritual amnesia. The only thing that would indicate you were there was your journal. You'd have no memories, right? And so maybe you're a night owl, and so your best time is going to be late at night after the kids go to bed. And that's your time. Uh, some of you may say, hey, it's midday. It's the middle of my day. It's my lunch break. I've got an hour lunch break. I have a beautiful park right next to it, and that's my time. You know, great. The, the point is, you need to think through when is your best time, and then plan around it. A third question. The third question I would ask you is what? And by this, I mean, what are you going to do? Now, for those of us who are going to be doing Rooted, this is awesome because it's laid out for you. Five days a week, you're going to have a study for five different days, and it's going to be right there. If you're not in, going to be in Rooted, you're going to need to think through because here's what happens, and I know many of us experience this. You say, I'm going to start getting up in the morning and spend time with God. But you don't really think about what you're going to do. So you just show up there, and you're like, well, where should I start reading? I don't know. Start flipping around, you know? And you're like, oh, here's a verse. Oh, Judas hung himself. Oh, great. Very inspirational, you know? Flip a little bit more. Go and do likewise. Oh, no. It's like, like, like this is not working out. God, I thought you were for me. Right? Um, yeah. You flip again. Jesus wept. He's sad. You died. You know, <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, so, you know, we've all been there. And so you need to think through, what are you going to do during this time? Uh, what's, are you going to read through the Bible in a year? Are you going to do a Bible study plan? Are you going to go to a Christian bookstore or online? Are you going to find, like, what are you going to do? Uh, you need to get, you know, get your journal. So when God shows you something, you, you're prepared. You're like, well, that's awesome. Why should I write it down? Where? I don't know. Uh, you know, you know there. But there's a flip side. There's a flip side to this what. And by side A, remember, uh, remember those uh, that's like 100 years old? Remember 45s on side A? And then side, uh, you're like, 45? I thought that was a gun. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> on the flip side of what, here's the second part of the what question, is what are you going to drop? Can I tell you something? It's one of the most important questions. When you add a new habit in your life, you need to cut something out of your life. Because I don't know about you, but I don't know hardly anyone who emails me and says, Pastor Michael, I have a question for you. I'm really struggling with this. I just have too much time on my hands. I'm sleeping 10 hours a day. Uh, I just don't know what to do. Can you, I mean... That's not the world we live in, right? I wouldn't ask for a show of hands, but I'd be willing to bet that almost uh, 80% of people in this room would say, yeah, I'm probably not getting as much sleep as I should get. And so if your plan is great, I, my time to be with God is in the morning, I'm gonna get up a half an hour earlier. You're already at red line. You know what's gonna happen? Four days in, you're gonna be falling asleep 
and you're going to be fatigued all day long, and you're going, oh, this rooted thing, it's just killing me. <laughs> and so you need to not just say, what am I going to do, but what am I going to cut out? If you're going to get up a half an hour earlier, you need to go to bed a half an hour before. And that means cutting something out the night before. If you're going to stay up a half an hour later, you need to sleep in a half an hour longer, which means changing schedule, right? And so we come back to this question then of why. Why would we do this? We're about to embark on a journey as a church and to seeing if we can build a spiritual habit into our lives of spending time with God on a regular basis, developing a rhythm of relationship that will lead to change. And the question is why? And for me, the answer is, is because I believe there are certain habits, certain spiritual habits that are so important that if you'll just change a single spiritual habit and you're open to the Holy Spirit's leading, that it will lead to an domino effect to life change and transformation throughout your life. That one habit will change, to, turn into many habits. You know, we started the day with the story of this young woman, Lisa, 30 years old. It's a true story. It's a story that's told by Charles Duhigg in his well-known book, The Power of Habit, which is a fantastic book, I think I've read it three times, on the science of habits. And in this book, he shares his story. And so we left Lisa, she was at her bedside, and she was completely distraught. Remember the waves of grief flowing over her like wave after wave. And she feels completely out of control. And that morning as she's sobbing, she felt like I just have to find one thing in my life that I can control. My life depends on this. Later that morning, she got in the taxi. She rode to the, the, uh, the pyramids. And on the way out through the desert, she has this thought, crazy thought. She doesn't know where it came from. Their thought was, I have got to make a change in my life, something I control. And the idea that came to her, doesn't know where it came from, is I'm going to come back a year from now and hike through this desert as part of a trekking tour. And at the time, it seemed crazy. It seemed impossible. She doesn't have a job. Her credit cards are maxed out. How can you afford this? She's overweight. She's not in shape. But this is what came to her, and her why was very strong. She felt at that moment, my life depends on this. And so she went home, and she said she knew that she'd have to make changes. She knew she'd have to make sacrifices. But the first one that stood out to her, so I need to stop, stop smoking. If I'm going to hike through the desert, I have got to stop smoking. And her why was so strong, she stopped smoking. 
But when she stopped smoking, it triggered the next thing. And she began to exercise. And then she began to eat better. And then she stopped drinking. And then she started running. And in the process, she lost 60 pounds. And then she went back to school. And then she got her master's degree. And then she paid off all of her debt. And then she bought a house in three years' time from Cairo. And the reason Charles Duhigg is telling her story is that her story is a great example of what researchers call keystone habits. A keystone habit is one habit that triggers a series of changes that lead to radical change and transformation. There in your note sheet, he writes, some habits, in other words, matter more than others in remaking businesses and lives. These are keystone habits. And they can influence how people work and eat and play and live and communicate. Keystone habits start a process that over time transforms everything. Keystone habits say that success doesn't depend on getting every single thing right, but instead relies on identifying a few key priorities and fashioning them into powerful levers. If you focus on changing or cultivating keystone habits, you can cause widespread shifts. And here's what I want to suggest. That's not just true with physical training. That is true with spiritual training. And that's why developing a regular rhythm of relationship is so important. It's not so we can check off our list, we spent time today with God, God will be with me. It's not about putting a notch in our belt. I'm a good Christian. I have a daily quiet time. It's about putting ourselves in a place where we can hear the voice of God. And when we listen and follow, over time, the Bible starts making sense. And then we start seeing life from God's point of view, which is what wisdom is all about. And then we start making different choices. And then we start making different priorities. And then our character starts to change. And then our relationships start to flourish. And then our finances start coming together. And then we start getting a clear sense of our gifting and calling in life. And then we begin to live for the big picture story of God. And then we begin to experience the presence of God going with us, which changes everything. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Hmm.
Father, we're excited. We're on the verge of a new year, a new journey. Whether we're in Rooted or going to be doing this on our own, maybe studying Rooted ourselves or maybe with someone else or maybe it's just something completely different. But whether we're in it or without it, God, we're at the start of a journey. <clears throat> it's a new journey of transformation. And God, I pray that this week that, that we would spend some time thinking through our whys, our wins, and our what's. And that we would actually write those down and get really clear and have some good conversation with you so that next week we'll be ready to go at the starting block. Like Dre said last week, we're ready to run when that, that gun goes off. <laughs> we pray <coughs> that as we, we continue in worship now, as we pursue you in worship, as we bring you our gifts, our offerings, we pray you use these to create in us a greater hunger, a deeper why, and they would pave the way to a keystone habit that will change our life. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's go. Let's stand up. I want more of you. That's what this year is about, Rocky Peak. Amen. That we are not satisfied to be mediocre. I don't want to live a boring Christian life. I don't want to wait for Jesus to come and get me and waste my life. I want to live my life to the full. I want to pursue him with a full heart. I want to become the man I was created to be. And I want the same for you. And we are in this together. As a church, he is calling us higher. He's calling us on. But it will not happen by sitting on our spiritual couches as spiritual couch potatoes. We got to get off the couch and into the spiritual gym. And we have to train for it. And so we're going to start slow. 15 minutes a day. Come on. Five days a week. That's like we're starting as out of shape people. Hey, but I don't care how we start. I care how we end. Amen. And together, we're going to go on a journey. It's going to be amazing because I've never taken a church on a journey like this. I don't even know if a church has gotten a journey like this. It's been exciting to see what God does. But as always, the most important part is that we listen and follow. Because to spend time with God and not do what he says is a waste of time and will actually damn you. When God speaks and we don't listen, you can continue the ritual of meeting. But that dimmer switch goes darker and darker. So let's never forget the purpose of meeting, not to notch the belt, it's to meet and to hear and to get wiser and to listen and to follow. And as we do that, we will be transformed. Amen? Amen. Until next week, God bless you. Prayer at the side if you want prayer today. <laughs>